Hello and welcome to Warshaw Burstein Perspectives, our continuing series of podcasts to help you understand key issues at the intersection of law and business. Today we are speaking with Allison Prouty. She's of counsel at Warshaw Burstein, and we're talking about the issue of protection of buildings adjoining a construction site. And uh, Allison, thanks very much for uh, speaking with us today. Pleasure. Uh, this is an issue that I suppose is coming up a lot, especially in uh, New York, Manhattan, where construction is booming, and it can put you in a, a position where a building is going up next to your building, and uh, you're not sure that you like that. What would be the first thing to do when you uh, get wind of a project right next to you? Before you do anything, you um, should try to understand what your rights are. Uh, when there is a project that's going up right next to the building that you own or live in. And in 2014, uh, the rights of adjoining building owners were very much improved as a result of a uh, substantial change to the New York City Building Code. And there is uh, now quite a lengthy section uh, that is specifically aimed at uh, the protection of adjoining buildings and spells out um, a, a list of obligations of a developer with respect to that adjoining site. These obligations apply to all phases of the development work from the very uh, beginning and uh, all the way through to completion. So. What should you do then if you receive a letter informing you that a building is going to be built right next to you? Well, the first thing that you should do is probably not do what the letter requests, which is the letter is likely to come from a developer or a developer's lawyer, and it will say, um, we're going to be building this building, and we need access to your building or to your apartment. Um, and we'd like you to just sign your consent to this and and we will be sure that that uh, your building and your apartment are not going to be damaged and please sign here and return the form don't sign it <laughs> and uh, the reason not to sign it at that point is that there are a whole lot of uh, preconditions that should uh, go into the ultimate signing of uh, a consent to give a developer access to uh, an adjoining property. Um, so what what does that mean? What should what should be the preconditions to the consent of the adjoining building owner to let the developer come onto the adjoining building property um, for any reason. Um, to back up a little bit, uh, I, I mentioned that the code requires a developer to uh, do a number of things to protect the adjoining building. Uh, many of those things, most of those things require that the developer actually come onto uh, the adjoining property to do stuff to it, to protect it. Um, and that can mean a protection of the soils under the building, protection of the building's foundation, 
protection of the building's sidewalls or facades generally, protection of areas around the base of the building, sidewalk sheds, that type of thing, protection of the roof and all of the roof structures. Those are discrete requirements, and each one of them um, should be documented in plans drawn up by architects and engineers um, describing exactly what the developer is going to do. And those plans should be prepared by the developer and then reviewed by the adjoining building owner's own professionals. So step number one, don't sign the consent yet. Uh, step number two, either yourself or through the board of your building, hire a lawyer and hire an architect and hire an engineer, all of whom should be uh, familiar with this area uh, and then there should be a series of conversations with the developer's council, and the result of those conversations should be that plans for these various protections, which the developer has to do, um, should be provided to the adjoining building owner and their professionals, and they should be reviewed, and ultimately they should be they should end up as attachments to a licensing agreement. And the licensing agreement is what gives the developer the access to come on to the adjoining building and do what needs to be done. Um, but it should be done um, pursuant to the terms of a licensing agreement, uh, which has not only the specifics, which, which not only sets forth the specifics of what the developer is going to do, but also requires that the uh, developer provide uh, adequate insurance, which will be spelled out very specifically what types, what kinds, who the additional insureds will be. Um, and indemnity for any damage that the, the uh, developer causes. Um, the negotiation of that type of an agreement um, can take a little while, um, but it is very important uh, to follow it through all the way and not cut corners. Um, I should say that the very first thing that the developer will need to do is to uh, perform what's called a pre-construction uh, survey of the adjoining building. And that's an important thing because it establishes a baseline uh, to determine whether there actually has been damage. Um, something else that the developer is going to be required to do, um, in addition to installing various protections, developer is going to be required to monitor during the course of construction, starting with foundation and excavation work all the way through to completion, whether there are vibrations or movement of the adjoining building, um, horizontal, vertical, and the details of how that monitoring is done uh, also needs to be put into the licensing agreement.
finally and um, importantly, um, adjoining building owners legitimately can ask a developer to pay a fee. Um, and it's really a fee for the hardship, inconvenience, and uh, difficulties that are invariably proposed, uh, imposed by having a development right next door. Um, it's noisy. It's uh, it's it's mostly noisy, but it also creates dusts and potentially rodents and all sorts of undesirable things. So it is uh, not an unreasonable thing for an adjoining building owner to say, okay, thank you for all of these protections. This is all great, but you know what? I really, you know, we need some, some additional compensation f for, you know, letting you come onto our property and do all this stuff. Um, it's important not to be too greedy at that point because um, it, it, because there is a limit to what can be legitimately requested. It is legitimate to, to uh, expect some sort of fee. It's definitely legitimate and would be expected that the developer pay for the expenses of the adjoining building owner in uh, negotiating the licensing agreement, their professional expenses of engineers, architects, lawyers, and um, obviously there's a conversation about what's reasonable there, but um, that's all legit. We're speaking with Allison Prouty, who is of counsel at Warshaw Burstein on the issue of the rights of uh, adjoining uh, property owners when uh, construction sites go up. How contentious can these negotiations be? And, and if you've prepared yourself with a good understanding of your rights, uh, how can you alleviate those negotiating issues? They can be very contentious, very contentious, because um, the developer needs to come onto the adjoining building uh, owner's property. He, they, they are required by code to do that. So... And, and anything that slows them down or looks as though it's going to potentially prevent them for any substantial time does the most undesirable thing for a developer. It causes delay, and time is 100% money uh, in the development world. So uh, there, there can be very unhappy conversations on both sides. The way to... Um, the way to uh, keep those from boiling over, and I'll explain what I mean by that, is really to focus on the, the actual specifics, the, uh, the, the engineering and architectural specifics of what needs to be done. Because really there shouldn't be very much uh, controversy about that. Where there is controversy, it's mostly about what the fee should be. So, and when I, I spoke about things boiling over, what I, what I mean by that is that the law requires a developer to come onto the adjoining building's owner's property and install these various protections. If the adjoining building owner refuses 
to let the developer do that, there is an, another provision or several other provisions would say, okay, well, if you, if you don't let the developer come onto your property, then any damage that ensues is on you. You're not going to have any of the protections that you would otherwise enjoy if you absolutely refuse to let the developer come onto your property to do what the developer's required by code to do. So what has happened where there is a situation in which the adjoining building owner has just been excessive in their demands is that the developer will sue and there is a particular provision of, of law that allows the developer to bring an action to force the adjoining building owner to let them onto the property. And there have been decisions on you know, both sides of that one, um, but it is absolutely something to keep in mind because you can inadvertently end up yourself personally or as a board in a litigation which is very expensive and has you know potential other liabilities and downsides so um, it's it's important to keep that in mind as a limitation to what you can expect as a, uh, a joining building owner Allison Prouty, uh, some uh, very uh, timely advice, especially in this uh, period of a booming real estate market in many parts of the country. Uh, thank you very much for enlightening us about uh, this subject. And if, if anybody wants to contact you to learn more about this or any other aspects of your real estate practice, how would they do that? Via our firm's website, where all of our contact information is. And that uh, website is uh, WBNY.com. Uh, you can uh, get all the information on uh, Allison's contacts. And uh, you can also hear other Warshaw Burstein Perspectives podcasts. Allison, thanks very much for joining us. Entirely welcome. I'm John Metaxas. 